Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back. We are on episode number 22. Thanks for joining us, Internet Fam Bam. <laughs> I feel like I can't say hello until you say hello, hello. I know. And now that you've told me that, I, I feel like I have to say the exact same thing. We, we, we look at you. We look at you because no one else knows how to say hello to our audience. Like, so like, you say hello, hello. Like imagine if I just said hello. Like I just I feel like now I have to say it exactly the same way. <laughs> I think I need you to say it. Exactly all the right, same all way. right. We got this. So right, where ladies. did we leave off? Oh, where did we leave off? We are on chapter, chapter four. four. And nice. we were we did a little bit of text five, but we're gonna continue on to the purport of text five as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so basically, we basically started transcendental knowledge. Yes, and chapter recap, four. Priya? Uh, well, Krishna is basically now explaining, first of all, where this knowledge comes from. Right. Then Actually, it's like where it comes from in like a the line of teacher and student and teacher and student and how mm. it came all the way here, but actually kind of got broken. Mm -hmm. And so Krishna's like, I got to do this again. And I think you're the perfect student because you're my friend and I love you. And like, mm. you know, like you have this awesome mood of wanting to understand and like, I'm happy to tell you all this stuff. And then Arjun is kind of like, yeah, that's all good. And I'm totally true. But like, Aren't you like the same age as me? Like, how could you have been the one to give this yeah. knowledge? Yes, like, yes. how could you know all this stuff? So then we're about to get into Krishna telling him like, okay, like, this is who I am. Krishna's mm -hmm. about to like really explain who he is. And we said Arjuna being also a pure hearted devotee and servant of Krishna, not only his cousin, which is kind of his temporary role. Arjuna knew the answer. He was asking more for our benefit. Right. Another great part of uh, what we let what we read in the last episode is that this Gita was spoken 120 million years ago. So it was a originally very, originally originally yeah. a very very long time ago. Yeah. And through this game, as you mentioned, like as this game of broken telephone, this is why we're on the battlefield again, where <sighs> Krishna is explaining this knowledge to Arjuna. Yeah. So the 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 lack of people following the principles and the lack of people being pious and you know everything kind of degraded. Krishna's like, oh snaps, I gotta come back because oh snaps, I gotta come back. <laughs> <laughs> they did it again. <laughs> they did it again. They're in chaos. That's really funny. That's so wax. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So Krishna's like, all right, let's do this. Let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you the knowledge. Yeah. So text five. Yes. Text Invocation five. prayers. Oh yeah. <laughs> We almost forgot. Oh my God. Yeah. That is. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. sorry. Okay. Okay. Done. We can okay. do it. We can do it. Again. Never I can't before. look at her. I know. Okay. We're okay. in a goofy mm. mood today. Oh my God. No, no, no. Sorry. We got this. We got this. We got this. All right. Take a deep breath. Okay. 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 All right. Invocation, ladies. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we I'm got so this. We really can do it. We can do it. This time's a try. I don't know what's going okay. on. Okay. Oh my Gyana Timirandasya, Gyananjana Shalakaya, Chakshurun Militam Yena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. 
Translation. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. We have the giggles today, guys. <laughs> we have the giggles and you today. Know what? I was literally getting upset at my students earlier because there was like three boys in the front that wouldn't stop laughing. And at the end, I was like, I am trying to talk. It's not funny. And now I'm doing it. Sorry. Sorry. I know. I don't know what happened there. Really. Just, we couldn't help it. We couldn't help it. So, he makes us happy. Shama, do you want to read text five where we had left off? Yes. Yeah, so we started this and then we'll go a little bit into the purport, but chapter four, text five, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna said, many, many births took, oh, sorry, many, many births, both you and I have passed. I can remember all of them, but you cannot, O subduer of enemy, Arjuna. Mm, wow. So yeah, it's basically here saying the Lord, although without a second manifests himself in innumerable forms. So he's one, he's the supreme. He doesn't have anyone equal to him, but he comes down in different forms. And there's a part of the purport I, I love because this just kind of shows how loving Krishna is to his sincere devotees who he considers like his intimate friends. It says, devotees like Arjuna are constant companions of the Lord. And wherever the Lord incarnates, the associate devotees also incarnate in order to serve the Lord in different capacities. So Arjuna is basically one of those devotees. And in this verse, it's understood that millions of years ago, when Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita to the sun god, Arjuna in a different capacity was also present. But so the, like in a different body in like right, one of right. previous lives. But the main situation. difference is Krishna can remember it all, but Arjuna cannot. And neither, mm. can, we can we can't either, right? right? We can't remember what happened I can barely remember lives. last week what we happened. We can't remember lunch. last week. Yeah, we can't <laughs> remember any of it. And so Krishna's also like showing that there's a difference between him and ordinary men also right, in this verse, right. right? It's like, he's kind of showcasing a little bit of his qualities. It's like he knows things that we don't and he's letting Arjuna know about this, this mystery. Right, and it kind of says we forget everything because of our changing bodies as we said in the last episode that we remember what's important like on this timeline of like self-evolution from point a to point b what we take with us is the lessons where we've evolved on our path so because of our changing bodies we forget all the unimportant details but the lord remembers everything because he does not change his Satchid Ananda body, which is basically what, Shama? Putting you on the hot spot. What's Satchid Ananda? Okay, Satchid Ananda. Okay, so I always I did a video on this, uh, one of my one of my um, Instagrams. But Satchid Ananda is essentially the constitution of all of our souls, right? Right. So if you're saying you're cooking up a soul, you add a little bit of Sat, which is truthfulness. Mm. You add a little bit of Chit, which is eternality, right? The soul right, is forever, right. remember? And a little bit of a, just a dash of Ananda, you know what I mean? Which is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> right and or happiness right so if you want to make a soul those are the three things that you have to put together don't try it at home ladies and gentlemen so right they're basically this is an interesting point because we forget our our past lives and everything because of our change in bodies but because the lord well first of all because he's the lord he remembers everything but he doesn't change bodies his body is Satchitananda, and it says he's advaita which means there's no distinction between his body and himself so basically like everything in relation to him is spirit is this pure pure purest of pures where the conditioned soul that's us we're different our, our material body is kind of kind of gross sometimes yeah on a super i mean on a slightly <laughs> random note um he he says, he's talking to Arjuna and he says, oh, subduer of the enemy. Like, I just really love all these nicknames he has yeah. for him. He's kind of like, 
you're the one who can subdue or, or like overcome all the obstacles of enemies, right? Like all kind of motivating him I a little know, bit. In like a what sense, a great yeah. friend. Yeah. I really got to so much that. more casual with our nicknames nowadays. We got to step it up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, what I was beautiful locks that surround your hazel eyes. Oh my goodness. I do not have hazel eyes. <laughs> great okay. maker of nachos. <laughs> you know? That is you, Shamasangita. <laughs> there was one last part that I just think is so sweet in text five that it's basically from this other spiritual text called the Brahma Samhita that it talks about the Lord. It says, I worship the supreme personality of Godhead Govinda, who's also Krishna. Spog. Huh? The Spog. The, the Spog. <laughs> the Spog. I was like, bless like, you. The S-P-O-G. What? Otherwise known as the Spoggy. Supreme personality. <laughs> Who is the original person, absolute, infallible, without beginning, although expanded into unlimited forms. He is, the, he is still the same original, the oldest and the person always appearing as a fresh youth. Such eternal, blissful, all-knowing forms of the Lord are usually not understood by even the best Vedic scholars, but they are always manifest to pure unalloyed devotees. Wow. So it's, it really is like, no, to me, I take out that, that he is so, he has all these qualities. He's all, He's everything, but even Vedic scholars can't quite comprehend the mysteries of Krishna, but he allows his most dear, pure, intimate devotees or friends like Arjuna understand and see him. And How un- cool is that? Right? I it mean, was beautiful. What a loving God we have. I mean, imagine, I think you can even relate it to everyday life. Sometimes you meet people and they're acquaintances. Sometimes you meet people and they're just like people you know. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you make people that are friends, but even those maybe not as close. And then eventually you like might meet people that you just feel like a soul connection and then you yeah. get to know really deeply. Sometimes yes. I call these people that I, I find that I have sparks with them. Um, <laughs> just kind of silly that way. But um, like... How wonderful does it feel when you meet someone who is willing to like, like let you in and tell you all about them and you feel like you know them, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's a wonderful feeling. And now we get to do that. We get to know the greatest, like awesomest person ever. Yeah. You know, Krishna. Yeah. And there's so many philosophies out there that like, and and not to knock on them because every path is different. Right. But there's so many that's like, it's like the Supreme is a light or the Supreme is this. And it's like this non-personal thing. Right. Where it's like, it's really hard to fall in love with something that's non-personal. Right. Right. And so I think Krishna giving us an insight into who he is Mm. and his personalities is also him just like showing that he can kick it with us. Like he likes (laughs) us and he wants us to get to know him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's the grand prize at the end of this tunnel of devotion. And it's interesting you talked about kind of the the light, right? Because uh, in this philosophy, they talk about it kind of like goes in a stepping stone that that it is the hardest to connect sometimes or to understand the personal form of Krishna, of God. Mm-hmm. Step one is kind of like the Brahman, the impersonal energy. That's like when you go outside in nature and you're like, whoa, I feel connected to God out here. That's kind of the impersonal aspect of him because it is his creation, but it's not the most personal version you can connect to. So there's yeah. different like stepping stones of versions you can connect to. And after the, the impersonal, then you start connecting more gradually gradually to through knowledge and devotion and service, you can understand his personal conception, which is, I mean, who wants to just connect to a floating light forever? You can That might work for you for some time. And then you might have questions and desires mm-hmm. and yep. like something deeper. And if that's you, then you come here and then you learn a little bit more about Krishna, you yeah. know? So beautiful. All right, Shamali, text six. Although I am unborn and my, capital my, transcendental body never deteriorates, and although I am the Lord of all living entities, 
but my internal energy and I still appear in every millennium in my original transcendental form. Ooh, I love this. Okay, let's break mm. this down part by part, right? Okay. Although I am unborn. Okay, so there was, there's like... Never it's a time. Never a time that Krishna did not exist. You right. know, there wasn't a time where it's like, oh, it's a boy. Happy birthday, Krishna. And that's that's like, hard not. to wrap your head around. Yeah. <laughs> Prabhupada in the, the beginning of the purport says, the Lord has spoken about the peculiarity. Wait, pecu, pecu, peculiarity. Peculiarity. Oh, yes. my God. Thank you. Peculiarity. Wow. Peculiarity. My God, what was I thinking? <laughs> anyway, peculiarity of his birth. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to wrap your mind around this concept. So we definitely need to break it down. It's also hard because we do celebrate uh, Janmashtami. Right, Krishna's in birthday. Which Krishna is born. Yeah. And so that's like a story for later. But the, the reality is like Krishna was never born. He just kind of like makes up these stories of how he was born so that we can relate to him more. Yeah. yeah and like that he, relates to that last part of this verse, right? It's like yeah. he comes down in different time periods throughout history. Yeah, yeah. So in this story, he comes down as a satya. He's playing a role in a play. That's not his end all be all. He is still eternal, never been born. He's God. He's everything. He's the source of everything. But he comes yeah. down to to play a role. Yeah. So he's always existed. So although I am unborn, he's always existed, right? Yeah. My transcendental body never deteriorates. I love this yeah. because that's also, he's showing that, hey, I'm different than the average Joe Schmo. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, our yeah. body at the end of like a certain amount of mm. years that we have here, we die, right? That does not happen to Krishna. So he's making it very clear here. This right. is different. Yeah. He's like a... Like a superhero, if you think he's about it. He's basically like, yeah, like one of those that like lives forever. Yes. I don't know, the Eternals maybe or something. like. And he doesn't even have any kryptonite. You know, like there's... Age. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah. Have, any he doesn't have any kryptonite. He's exactly. like the ultimate superhero. Um, yeah. And then he says, and although I am the Lord of all living entities, fact, I still <laughs> appear in every millennium in my original transcendental form. So we talked a little bit about avatars before, right? Yeah. So Krishna appearing in different time periods, like Krishna as Buddha, Right. That's mm. one. Krishna, you mentioned in the Ram. last episode as as Ram and Lord Chaitanya. Right. Which is yes, the latest incarnation. Right. So he's basically sh like showing Arjuna, hey, like the, there's differences between me and 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 you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't even remember what you did a few hours before. I yes. can remember everything of yes. everything. And he's like he's like I think in this incarnations, he's kind of like Clark Kent in that like. He just puts on the sunglasses, like the glasses, not sunglasses, the glasses, and then people don't know who he is. Oh, yeah. But like yeah, the people that really, really know him, they know who he yes, is, even right. with the glasses. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So it's like he comes on, he's like, look, I'm pretty cool, but you know, I'm just going to blend in for now. I'm going to try to help y'all as much as I can. Right. And then I might, I might take off. That's true. And like there's, there's this one story um, of Krishna is like when he was a baby and um, his he was eating dirt. <laughs> and uh, and his mom was like, open your mouth. Let's take the dirt out because you should not be eating dirt. <laughs> and then he opens his mouth and the entire universe is in his mouth. And yeah. it's just like, hey, like he's playing this role as a mm -hmm. kid and he's like <laughs> eating dirt as all of us kids do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so and but he's so, so much different. And that's what he's explaining in this verse right now. Yeah. Right. It says the Lord says he appears in his own body. He does not change his body like to come play these roles because his body is like it doesn't get 
tainted by coming into contact with the modes of material nature that we had talked about, ignorance, passion, goodness. He's above all that. So he can come in his pure body that it's Satchitananda, as Shama had said, knowledge, bliss, eternality, and not be affected by all of that. He is so different than us. We, we are constantly affected by the pulls of all sorts of desires, angers. We, we, we're under those influences, but he's totally bypassing it on another lane, on another platform. And it kind of gives me a little bit of security that God is a little bit different than us, right? Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, imagine like he was the same and then it's kind of like, what? Like, it's imagine going to a doctor, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I have, I have gas in my stomach. And the doctor goes, <laughs> me too. I wonder what we're going to do to figure that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, oh my we God. need some sort of authority that is different than us to show us the way, right? Yeah, yeah, actually, I was thinking when you were saying that, I was thinking the example of like going through a therapist and you're like, I'm full of anxiety. And they're like, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah me like, too. Oh. I was like, oh, this I is not going to work somewhere out. Else. I need to go to another therapist. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, we're all filled with anxiety, but they would never tell you that because if they did, I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that he's a little bit different. He's yes. a lot different than he's us, He's a lot actually. different. He's yeah. like the source of everything. He's yes. like us. I mean, we are him in a tiny, tiny portion version. Yeah. Yeah. I love here. It says at the time of the battlefield of Kurukshetra, if you've paused to wonder, wait, what does Krishna look like at this point in time? Uh, technically, he had sufficiently aged enough by all material calculations, but yet he looked like just a young man of 20 or 25 years old. Oh, wow. We never see a picture of Krishna in old age because he never grows old like us, although he is the oldest person in the whole creation, past, present, and future. So neither his body nor his intelligence ever deteriorates or changes. Isn't that yeah. beautiful? So I Krishna that. is, is a awesome. stunning young He's man on the battlefield of Kurukshetra <laughs> there. It's like, I need to get on the Krishna skincare routine. You know what I mean? That is just amazing. I remember, yeah. but we cannot imitate God. So no, no, we'll no, do no, the same skincare routine and be a little disappointed. But like, well, something looks <laughs> yeah. different here. I just also think it's interesting that in, in every like movie and every sometimes even depictions in general of God, like he looks like an old man with white yeah, hair white beard. and our God is blue. Um, he's 25 sometimes, sometimes he's younger he and he age. like dances and plays the flute and like, he's just the coolest God ever. Yes. And it's the same God I get in, but like our version is better. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm also just a kidding. lot hotter, I think. Too. Can I say that? I can say I, that. I, maybe. I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's questionable, Shama. <laughs> hey, no, actually. But it's not the old actually, man that we usually see in like, like TVs and cartoons and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. I actually think she can say that. And we'll get to that in a few other texts because we talk about the different relationships yes. you can have with God. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Score. And so like you can see God as your son. You can see God as your father. You can see God as your lover. But you know, the only reason I thought maybe not, here's why. Like <laughs> hotter to me kind of has a connotation of like a little bit of a ooh la la, lustful, but isn't the whole point is going to be such a pure realm that we can't even comprehend now. Yes, but he's all attractive. So like to yeah. us, like the, the, the to our limited, limited eyes, all we can see is that he's hot. Potentially. Okay, so attractive. That's, attractive. There we go. In a very respectful way. <laughs> because, you know. For, I was trying to help you, Shama Sangeeta. Thank you. You know what popped into my head? There was a painting. I just dig my, so, my, dig my hole a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there was a painting of this, like, there's this dance of love that Krishna does with his devotees called the Rasa dance. So there was a painting depiction, and they're all very young in that depiction. Very like 16. pure, 16. Yeah. And someone else, I had heard a story of someone else at one point later on did another depiction where they looked more 
teenager like mature and Shula probably mm. was like no 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 that's that's wrong that's the wrong mood that's not the mood yeah, yeah so yeah. I don't know I mean I know we were joking but that's what popped into my head in a flash when we said hot I thought no 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 that's not the mood yeah Priya <laughs> saved you by saying that might be our mood in this that's in, in this realm you look and confused. You <laughs> uh, let's continue. <laughs> okay. So right. it, says, it says here also in the purport that the Lord is conscious of all his previous appearances and disappearances. So like he knows he was Ram. He knows he was Lord yeah. Chaitanya. He like was he's, Buddha. He's aware. He has all the information. And it also says that the Lord, um, he's the Lord of, love, uh, of all living entities because he performs wonderful and superhuman activities while he's on mm-hmm. this earth. So yeah. Yeah. It's like... Love that. You it's know, like what superhero, superheroes are modeled after. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's mm-hmm. nice. There's a beautiful comparison here that says, kind of like we've been talking about, he comes into this earth to play a role. So it says his appearance and disappearance are like the sun's rising and moving before us and then disappearing from our eyesight. So kind of like when the sun's out of our eyesight, we think, oh, the sun has set. And the, when the sun's before our eyes, we think, oh, it's there on the horizon. But actually the sun's always in a fixed position. Mm. It's just because of our defective, insufficient senses that we calculate the appearance and disappearance of the sun in the sky. So yeah, yeah Krishna's always there. He never leaves but we might just perceive him to be more present or not yeah all right text i I really love that (laughs) it's beautiful yeah i just really like that it's a good way to visualize like how do we understand yeah that he's always been here it's just our eyes sometimes can't see everything yeah like the stars they're always there (laughs) anyways text seven yep is that me priya all right this is a really famous verse whenever and wherever there is a decline in religious practice, O descendant of Bharata, a predominant rise of irreligion and a predominant rise of irreligion, at that time I descend myself, Krishna. Okay, so Krishna's talking here, right? He says whenever there is like not good stuff or pious stuff, uh, impious stuff going on, like right? What? Like what? Like um, like for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Buddha descend. Buddha is an avatar of Lord Krishna, right? Mm-hmm. And so Buddha came. I think we talked about this. Buddha yes. came during a time of like there was a lot of animal slaughter. There was a lot of mm. murder. There was a lot of people misinterpreting scriptures and whatnot. And so there was like a lot of just hell broke loose, right? Mm. So Krishna is saying here, whenever there is just like bad impious things happening, I come down as myself to help fix things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just clean up the mess everybody made. And it's interesting because going off of what you said, Shama, it's, it's, it says here in the purport, it's not a fact that the Lord appears only on Indian soil. Tying it to Buddha, it says he can manifest himself anywhere and everywhere and whenever he desires to appear. So like Buddha was catering to different needs at that time to spread peace. So it doesn't have to just be in a specific context. So in each and every incarnation, he speaks about religion that as much as can be understood by the particular people at that particular time under those circumstances. I love this. Fun fact about that do you know the cambodian flag actually in the middle of it it has a picture of a temple Mm. on the official cambodian flag and that's angkor wat and that was an original temple dedicated to lord vishnu which is krishna right Mm. so it's not just like god comes down only to india because he only cares about indian people no it's like literally a come down wherever there is a prominence in in impious activity right because the mission's always the same regardless of the path it's always to cultivate love of god and follow some sort of principles to lead you to that love of god and i love this line it says sometimes krishna descends personally but sometimes he sends his bona fide or his legit representatives in the form of his son or his servant or himself in some disguised form that's cool. Because is, is that a reference to Jesus? 
that yeah i mean there could totally be overlaps a hundred percent i think there's many actually books out there about how jesus went to india at times and was even vegetarian i don't know as much about it but there's many overlaps I christ that, right? krishna what do they can, say right jesus is a son of god yeah. and who is god krishna yeah <laughs> <laughs> krishna it has to be him i mean jesus very scientific talk- sound <laughs> yeah he always talks about i want to lead you to my father jesus talks about so he, he's yeah. also a servant a devoted servant of god he doesn't talk about i want to take all the credit for myself and follow just me. No, he wants to give the credit to his Lord. So we're talking about the same Lord here. They're all just different paths to get to the same end goal. Yeah, and as you were saying, Shama Sangeeta, you were saying that he comes to clean up the mess. I think in a specific way, he's coming to like teach everyone again how we can follow principles to lead a peaceful respectful, respectful, pious life, right? Like the principles of service, the principles of karma yoga, bhakti yoga, like all these things that we're talking about, like he's coming back and saying like, Hey, look, listen, I know things are getting bad, but if you just follow this, right? Mm -hmm. If you just follow this, things can be a little better. And I love here, it says these principles are actually kind of like laws from the Lord and only the Lord, God, Krishna can manufacture a system of religion. So this isn't just some whatever, hocus pocus that anybody Scientology, just like (laughs) making up your own religion, right? Right, right. So the Vedas were kind of all this ancient text, a lot of that originated from, they're accepted as originally spoken by the Lord himself to Brahma from within his heart. So we had talked about Brahma kind of, um, wow, I had a brain fart. (laughs) Brahma is the the creator 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 of the human living entities us basically Mm -hmm. and krishna it's all connected to krishna is what i'm trying to say krishna spoke to brahma within his heart it's all they're all servants of krishna whether it's christ brahma jesus they're all following god's order to try to bring us closer to loving him yeah and uh to the point that we were asking earlier on like why arjuna it says right here the bhagavad-gita was spoken to arjuna because um Whoop, let me read that again. The principles of the Bhagavad Gita were spoken to Arjuna and for that matter to other highly elevated persons because he was highly advanced compared to ordinary persons in other parts of the world. All right. So like before it was taught to kings because kings had a lot of spiritual knowledge and their job mm-hmm. was to give it to others. I ideally we are learning from uh, a lineage, a, a teacher, right? Who is well-versed in this information. And then we try to become well-versed and Arjuna already had all this knowledge, right? Like, again, if we remember Arjuna is playing a role of asking all the questions for us. Yes. Right. That and we so, would ask. Yeah. yeah. So why is Arjuna being given this information so that he can then relay it to others? And because he had already a lot of knowledge You know, Mm -hmm. he can give it perfectly. And so he can pass it down perfectly as it is from person to person. Right. I remember everyone on the battlefield is also listening to this conversation too. Which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's hearing it. Good, bad, ugly. My my spiritual teacher told me like something about along the lines of, you can only give Krishna as much as you have Krishna. So I think that connects to what you're saying, Priya, about Mm. you have to be a pure hearted vessel to be able to pass Krishna Mm. on to others. Well said. So yeah, that's why kind of, I think it was passed down from like guru to disciple because these were very qualified individuals who totally had Krishna captivated by their love and devotion for Krishna. And that's why they could give him so purely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Text number eight. Who's that? 
Oh, it is me. That's you. That's oh. you looking around the table. <laughs> to deliver, text number eight. To deliver the pious and to annihilate the miscreants, as well as to reestablish the principles of religion, I, Krishna, myself, capital M, appear millennium after millennium. Right? So this mm. is a little bit of like hopping on on the last verse as well. So basically when there is impious activities, he basically kills the bad people. Right, mm. annihilates the miscreants. Those right. are that's yeah. a really powerful language. Yeah, so it's heavy. A quick reminder: these avatars are basically like incarnations of Godhead of Krishna, who descend from the kingdom of God for material manifestation. So basically, it says that these incarnations are situated in the spiritual world, the kingdom of God, and when they descend to the material creation, they assume the name avatar. Mm. A little like, backstory. Yeah. Going back to like Buddha and whatnot. Imagine all of these animals that are being mistreated, all of these people that are being murdered, all of these an animals that are basically the they're twisting scriptures to hurt people and to mm. hurt animals. And so basically there needs to be someone who is righteous and powerful who can basically an annihilate the people that are doing harm to other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To protect. To protect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to go back to the, I know, silly, but uh, go back to the previous purport and clarify this even yeah. further. It says, in all incarnations of the Lord, therefore, the same principles are taught, right? So even though Buddha came for nonviolence, in Krishna consciousness, we also have that. Nonviolence yeah. is ahimsa. We still want to protect all living entities. Yeah. We don't want to treat cows poorly but not just cows all animals mm -hmm. right like we see them as the soul they also have a soul mm -hmm. um and then it says but they appear to be higher and lower in varied circumstances so the principles might seem like oh it's different here and there just depending on the circumstances but the same principle stays the same and it says um that at the end of the day the the purpose of the mission of the incarnations is to arouse krishna consciousness everywhere yeah so just i just wanted to bring that back in so yeah. Yes. This is what he's doing. Millennium after millennium is he's coming down to establish. And I love there's a line here because, right, he's just annihilating the miscreants, as it said in the text, and also delivering the pious. But in the purport, it takes it a step further. And to me, this connects it to what a loving God we have, because it says Lord Sri Krishna descends for the specific purpose of mitigating the anxieties of the pure devotees who are very anxious to see him, capital him, in his original Vrindavan and pastimes. Therefore, the prime purpose of, Krish of Krishna's avatar or himself is to satisfy his unalloyed devotees. So he's not here to do all the, the dirty work in a way. He just wants to please his devotees and give them himself because a loving, pure devotee just wants Krishna. Yeah. So he comes, he gives the right principles so that people can be Krishna consciousness. He comes to see his disciples. He comes to protect those who are not being protected. Right. Like there's, you know, th those are the missions. That is yeah. the ultimate superhero. If you think about it, yeah. right? It's right. like the original. The original superhero. Yeah. I love that. Right. Yeah. He's not <laughs> here to do the killing of the miscreants. He just wants to deliver them by his mercy. Deliver us devotees. Okay. All right. Text number nine. One who knows the transcendental nature of my, capital my, appearance and activities does not, upon leaving the body, take his birth again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, O Arjuna. Ooh, I love this. So this is Krishna talking. And essentially yeah. he's saying that like, you know, we have to go through this cycle of birth and death, reincarnation, right. reincarnation, reincarnation, like material right? bondage, basically. Yes, exactly. Right. And that's why we're stuck in this sort of rat race. We, we die, mm. we get 
born again. We go through this whole shebang over and over again. But he's saying that one who really understands me upon leaving the body, so upon their death, they do not reincarnate again, but mm, they go right. to Krishna. Yeah. And is that sort of what we in Bhakti Yoga say is kind of like moksha or liberation? Yes. Mm. Breaking that cycle of birth and death. And that's the perfection of life right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, because if for, even here it says like the impersonalists and the yogis. You might go to India and on any visit nowadays and see many yogis performing all sorts of austerities to gain all sorts of whatever, I don't know, powers. And they want to be liberated from the pains and sorrows of this world. But even them, after so much austerity, they're not going to get this pure love of Krishna and get out of this rat race because even for them they're going to go into kind of that impersonal form or the light and there's still a risk of coming back down to the material world so it's only through loving god this loving diverse diversional service devotional <laughs> service mood that we get out of the rat race yeah and i think the in the purport, it says that it's not so easy to fully know God. It's it's a process, right? Yeah. And I think that could be also if if you've been in this process for a short amount of time or a long amount of long amount of time, at any given point you've asked yourself, but why does Krishna does do this, right? Mm. Why? I mean, there's so so many questions that I've had encounter from people saying like, why? Why do young children die? It's or, like George Harris is like, takes so long to know you. Yeah. Right. So all these questions might make us like take long in the process of getting to know him because we have all these doubts and all these things. And right. And so it's Krishna's like, I'm here. I have all the answers. I'm willing to answer them. It's just a process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. All right. Anything else for text nine? You know, there's one part that, that do you remember viewers or ugh, listeners? I keep uh, long <laughs> auditory sense. Anyway, do you remember the, the metaphor of the licking the honey? Like, like when you analyze this philosophy from the outside, it's just kind of like analyzing the jar of honey, but you got to just give it a try. Give this process a try, open the jar of honey and actually taste Stick it. Stick your whole hand uh -huh. in the honey jar and taste so it. In the purport, they talk a little bit about that, that there's no other way to get to know Krishna and get beyond the mode of ignorance and, and in order to achieve salvation, so to speak, other than by licking, or if you just lick the outer surface of the bottle of honey, or by just trying to interpret the Bhagavad Gita, like, like mundane scholarship, you got to really give it a try. You have to really just like put your whole face in the Stick jar. Stick your face in the jar. Stick your face in the jar. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and that's when you can feel that love, right? And it's like a don't knock it till you try it type of attitude, But right? with patience. So maybe you're going to stick your head in there and just be like, okay, maybe now I'll feel the love and, and, and with patience. And with then... patience and following <laughs> the process, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, text 10. Text 10. Is that Priya? Yes. Being freed from attachment, fear and anger, being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me. Many, many persons in the past became purified by knowledge of me. And thus, they all attain transcendental love for me. Okay, so mm. if you want to get closer to God, here is the ultimate checklist, right? Number one, being free from attachment. Ooh, Meaning, I, I want this, I want that, I want whatever. I want the promotion, I want the Ferraris, I want all of this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Being freed from attachment. It is one of the hardest things to do. And yeah. even attachment to family members and to like friends, friends and like, you know, mm -hmm. um, pets. Pretty, yeah, it's, it's hard. Being freed from attachment, number one. Number two, free from fear, fear and anger. Being mm. freed from fear and anger. Um, that's a tough one. That's also that's really tough. tough one, we, right? we have a lot of fears that we even... 
we even make new fears as we go in life sometimes. Yeah. Hmm. One of the biggest mental illnesses right now is anxiety and anxiety is what? It's fear, right? Mm. It's being scared and it's being thinking that you're in control, but you're not in control. And so you have all of this anxiety and fear, right? Yes. Fear and anger. What's a good practical tip to like detach, uh, kind of put a little space between the reaction because fear and anger is kind of like you're responding to a stimulus. So if you can just, well, the process is kind of meditate, chant God's name, that puts you more in tune with yourself, your center, that you can put a little space between the stimulus stimulus and the response. So when you're like provoked to get angry, you can use your higher judgment and take a deep breath and not react, not be so reactionary. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to anger, we've talked a lot about being equipoised and understanding that there's a higher plan for you. And so like just having, encountering maybe like someone who uh, is driving and cuts you off and just the understanding maybe the fact that that person drove in front of me will save my life, you know? Yeah. And, maybe they need to go to the hospital. Maybe they need, they to- need, they're having a baby and they, whatever the situation is, being understanding and being equipoised, meaning leveling out the good and the bad and not getting carried away in these emotions will help you kind of not get so angry. Right. Yeah. That's right? a great point, Priya, because as we had said, if you're picking up in this life where you left off in the next, every little instant, every minute moment is catered to your ultimate growth. So even the bad moments are going to push you somewhere deeper within yourself. It's not all going to be a bed of roses. Them. If you let them. That's if key. If you let them, because sometimes we look at a bad thing and we just say, well, this is the worst and everything's the worst. And we life just is go, against me. Why me? And right. And so that's an opportunity to also be like self, like we have to explore the self, understand who we are. We are the soul. Why am I the soul? What is my purpose? Looking Mm -hmm. within actually can help you overcome these situations of attachment, fear, and anger. And this is the whole process of Krishna consciousness. Love that. All right, go back to the verse. Being freed from attachment, we talked about being freed from fear and anger. We talked about being fully absorbed in me, as in Krishna, right? Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about- connecting everything to Krishna, right? Karma yoga. Karma yoga we talked about, right? taking refuge in me. Ah, taking refuge in me. So what does that mean to you, Shama? I think we talked about it a little bit. It's like every day you have a choice. When you wake up in the morning, you can either Mm. choose faith or fear, right? Mm -hmm. And if you choose faith, that is taking refuge in Krishna. And it's understanding that no matter what happens today, I know I'm going to be okay. And And trust that it's happening for your benefit, not as something against you. So when something bad happens in your day, oh dear listeners... I was about to call them viewers again. Oh, dear listeners, the next time something bad happens, don't think, dang it, why is this happening to me? Think, I'm going to take a deep breath, put a little space between the stimulus and response and see as maybe there's some twist to this and it's happening for my utmost benefit. What's Krishna trying to teach me? What Krish- what's Krishna trying to teach me? Exactly. Yeah. So those are, that's the checklist, right? Being freed from attachment, fear and anger, being fully absorbed in Krishna, taking refuge in Krishna. And then he says many, he says many twice. So he's like many, guys, many persons in the past <laughs> become purified by knowledge of me. And thus they attain transcendental love for me. Right? I love so, that because what does the many, many to me indicate is like other people have done this process yes. and they're further along <laughs> yes. the path than you and they've gotten results from it. They've achieved transcendental love for me. So trust that... You're going to be all right if you do this process. Many, many people, guys. (laughs) Love it. Right, right. 
Anything else in the purport that we want to chat about? I mean, to me, there's a lot in the purport. One thing that I want to bring up is the very final few lines of this. The purport's long. This is a long purport, but the final few lines summarizes it well because it says, by the slow process of devotional service. Ah, hence that it's slow. As we said, it takes patience under the guidance of the bona fide spiritual master. So as we talked about at one point, you need a spiritual guide or a teacher. Let's let's break that down even more if you don't mind. Yeah, so by yeah. the slow process of devotional service, finding ways to connect your like doing service for Krishna for the devotees of Krishna over yes. a long period of time yes. not just in the blink so of an whether eye whether it's um, uh, offering your food whether it's uh, hosting uh, like little chanting parties at your home mm-hmm. whether it's helping in the kitchen in the temple offering flowers offering flowers mm-hmm. donating whatever it might be right so any of these services under the guidance of a spiritual teacher a legit spiritual teacher mm-hmm. one can attain the highest stage being freed from all material attachment we spoke about that, from the fearfulness of one's individual spiritual personality. Mm, We need to pause there a second. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, the purport dove into this deeply. Um, Can I backtrack a second? Because this will connect. It says one first has to get rid of all three stages of material consciousness. Number one, attachment to material life. I think we broke that down. We talked about that, yep. Number two, fear of a spiritual personal identity. So... I did mention this in the beginning, like that could be a stumping statement. What does that mean? Fear of a spiritual personal identity. It could mean like you're afraid that I don't want to lose myself. We're too attached to ourselves and our our material bodies. And this is me, Shamali, that I don't want to in the next life not be Shamali. But you're going to carry the essence with you. It's just your material body that you're leaving behind. Your soul continues. Yeah, your soul is not Shamali, but your soul is still you. Yeah. Which is like a weird thing to think about. Right. So if you're too attached to the material conception, the body, this is me, then it'll be difficult. But you have to get, you have to look, slowly overcome that fear of this. You're so much more expansive than this. You're so much beyond this. Anyway, and the third one is the conception of void that arises from frustration in life. So that means like we get frustrated with all the different theories and paths out there that we might think, ah, none of it's real. It's all an impersonal void. It's there's nothing after I die. So those are, those are the three stages of material consciousness that we got to get rid of. So by this slow process of devotional service, if we get free from attachment, free from fearfulness of one's individual spiritual personality, and from the frustration that results in void philosophy, then one can ultimately attain the abode of the Supreme Lord. So those are basically the the three stages of material consciousness. This is totally a checklist that you can, I mean, let's, let me state again. Are you reading this from the last sentence? Yeah. The last sentence that summarizes, okay. In the middle of the purple, it talks about. Let me read it to see if this is what you're talking about. So to get free from these three stages of material concept of life. So is that talking about fear, anger, and attachment? One has to complete, to take complete shelter of the Lord. So believe in Krishna. Be guided by a spiritual master, so a spiritual a teacher. Guru, yep. Follow the disciplines and principles of devotional life. So like follow the principles that Krishna is relating here. And that's what gets you free from attachment, fear, and anger. Yes. Basically, yeah. Oh, you were that. reading it from a different point, but this entire purport it's is like basically the outlining the checklist. Yes. And yes. 
And it's so interesting how it divides it into, I mean, such a genius purport that if you want to read it on your own, it's text 10 purport chapter four, because it goes so much into depth in this checklist and you can dive into all of the stages of material consciousness. It's yeah, you can kind of see where you're at in your own path. Yeah. This text actually summarizes our literally like our to-do list of what we need Mm. to do as human beings on this planet, right? Mm -hmm. It's like be free from attachment, don't have fear, don't have anger, think of Krishna and trust Krishna. Right. And find a teacher to guide you in this process because yes. it's sometimes right. a little bit hard and just follow the, the you know, the guidelines that Krishna is setting for you. Yes. And he even breaks down not only the negatives, like these are the stages of material consciousness, but he also breaks down in this purport, the stages of love. He's telling in this purport or in the text itself, he says, you can attain transcendental love for me. So if you want to know what that love looks like, I mean, it's broken down here. Do we want to dive into it or not? Yeah, wait, I mean, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, let's wrap it up so that we can... Okay, uh, basically the final stage of devotional life is called bhava or transcendental love of Godhead. So it breaks down all the different stages before there. Really quickly, in the beginning, you have to have that first desire for self-realization to be like, wait, what is life all about? Take that first step towards Krishna and try to get into contact with people who are spiritually elevated. Okay, the next stage, one has to become initiated by a spiritual master, meaning you find a teacher who's going to guide you because it's very difficult to do this process on your own as a new devotee. But not any teacher. No, not a a legit bona fide teacher. Make sure he's good. He's doing the principles himself. He or she. She, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And by executing this devotional service under the guidance of a spiritual master, then one can become free from all different types of attachment. And we, in the purport, broke down the different types of attachment attachment and material consciousness that there is. So then if you develop this taste, it leads one further towards the attachment in Krishna consciousness, which is matured in bhava or complete love of God. And real love of God is another level called prema, which is the highest perfectional stage of life. So basically it's all leading you towards love of Krishna and the deeper and deeper forms of love come along the path. So, you know, if you have doubts right now, just take a dive into the pool, try the process yourself, and you're going to start feeling the changes in your heart. You can't deny those feelings when they exist. It's like explaining being in love to someone who's never been in love. Yeah, this is great. So like if you're reading the Bhagavad Gita now and you're reading it for the first time, you can look at this and kind of give yourself an outline of what your path is, right? Like, okay, I got to figure out self-realization. Who am I? What's my purpose? What am I doing? And then hang out with people who are kind of going through the same process. Learn more from their experience. And listen to the Modern Yogi Podcast. (laughs) Listen to the Modern Yogi Podcast. podcast. And then you find a spiritual master and then he'll guide you the rest of the way. So... That's the path. Beautiful. If you've already read the Bhagavad Gita, maybe, you know, finding the spiritual masters where you're looking. If you want to know where you can find spiritual masters, shoot us a message on the Instagram DM. at Modern Yogi Podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Instagram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. And tune in next time. All See right. you guys soon. Bye. Ciao, ciao. beautiful souls if you like what you're hearing please follow us on instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the The Modern modern yogi